All right, that's the way it's supposed to look. Okay, so, all right, now we can roll. So, um, we've been talking about this journey uh, from fear to fruit, uh, fruitfulness, and and uh, it's going to be found in our identification uh, with Christ, starting as a son. And everything that we look at, if you have that little chart on your paper, really builds off of being a son. If you're at the men's conference, which I think... Uh, I don't know any of you men were at the men's conference. So at the men's conference, we talked a lot about identity. Uh, and the two identities that I focused on uh, was that of a son and a shepherd. And, of course, the shepherd was the primary thing I was talking about because we were talking about you know being diligent to know the state of our flocks and look well to our herds. But, uh, but really, as a son and a shepherd, those are the true, two primary identities that a man has. And uh, all these other ones are built on top of that. Uh, and we've been watching how Paul um, has been, you know, just continuing to explain to Timothy uh, some of the attributes and characteristics necessary to be fruitful. And he starts off as a son in chapter 1 and verse 2. And then chapter 2, he introduces him and he says, Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And he talks about being a steward in verse 2, a soldier in verses 3 and 4, an athlete in verse 5, and a husbandman in verses 6 through 7, which is what we've already covered. And tonight we'll be looking at being a teacher in verses 11 through 14. Uh, and then we'll look at being a student and a vessel of honor and a servant at length, uh, which kind of brings it full circle. And so... We've covered our identification as a faithful son, uh, a faithful steward, a faithful soldier, a faithful athlete, and a faithful husbandman who labors and, and uh, is, has a fruit, is uh, rewarded with the first fruits and is a wise husbandman that considers the word of God. All right, so uh, Paul enters this section with the principles of sowing and reaping in mind. Right, because we just talked about being a, um, a, a husbandman, and and so that's what's in mind, and it's evident that the the student weed out the wheat from the tares. Right, so the stakes are are very high uh, when it comes to to <clears throat> to that, because if we don't do the work of teaching faithfully and study, studying diligently, uh, we are at risk of false doctrine, uh, which is a big deal. Uh, but the faith of other believers is at risk as well. So false doctrine is a problem, but also the 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 faith, right? We are to we are to give the word of God, but faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So it's important that we hand that off to the next generation. So let's look at our text tonight, Second Timothy chapter two and verse eight. The Bible says, "Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evil doer, even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound." Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sakes, uh, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Uh, And he goes on to say in verse 11, It is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. And if we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat at the a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, whom concerning the truth have erred, saying, 
The resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this time to get in your word. We pray a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word, the praying for the saints and, and for the sinners as well as we uh, have those that are saved and those that are, are lost that we, we want to see in the kingdom of God. We pray as we look at this message tonight, as we consider what it is to be a faithful teacher, Lord, that you would encourage all of us in your word. We thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so we need to have the understanding of a faithful teacher, right? And a faithful teacher uh, remembers biblical instruction. So when you look down at verse 8, we'll back up and uh, go to the beginning, just leaving off the husbandman. And we consider, remember that, that Jesus Christ is of the seed of David and was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And uh, it goes on to say in verse 9, Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. So remember the resurrection in the gospel that's so important. I was just having lunch with Del Lido last week, and that was one of the things that he brought up. Uh, of course, if you know Del, uh, he's very diligent, and uh, he gets kind of on some things. But one of the things that he was bringing up is, why do people not talk about the resurrection, right? And I have to agree with him. The resurrection is most important with the gospel, because Jesus didn't just die for our sins. He did rise again on the third day, according to the scripture. And so Jesus, he says here in the text, Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. So many who enter this passage get distracted with the words my gospel, uh, and I'll deal with that here in a little bit, but the priority in, in grammar is the fact that Jesus Christ is the seed of David and he's raised from the dead. That's the, that, is, that is very important. The resurrection is what Paul is focused on because it's clear in our text that it is spiritual conflict uh, spiritual conflict some, uh, to some in the body of Christ that have become casualties of false doctrines propagated by Hymenius and Philitus in Second Timothy 2.17 who say that the resurrection is past. Right, So if you skip ahead to verse 17, they're saying the resurrection is past. So really, the, before we jump off into Paul's gospel, we need to understand that really the issue here is the resurrection. And, uh, and of course, Paul's gospel is important too. This is why Paul says, according to my gospel... It's clear uh, to see that the gospel of grace was being perverted by false teachers, right? So he needed to clarify that. What is for a faithful teacher one? Remembers biblical instruction and uh, remember the resurrection in the gospel. Okay. Hey, Amy, I left the prayer pieces in my box. Can you grab those? It's Galatians. Turn over to Galatians chapter 6. Or did I put that in your notes? Did I tell you to turn there? Yes, you've got it. It's here, Galatians. Oh, so you don't have to turn there. Galatians chapter 1, I have the passage here then in the notes. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into grace of Christ unto another gospel. Right? So, uh, which is not another. But there are some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed, as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I have yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ." But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I have neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
So the gospel of grace that we preach is a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's given to us. And it's interesting because really when you take Galatians chapter 6, uh, or Galatians 1, I'm sorry, verses 6 through 12, the irony is that we do today face a couple, I mean there's several false gospels, but a couple big ones that come to mind that I always go back to Galatians on is uh, the Mormonism and the, uh, and the Islam. Because they both have another gospel. Uh, one claims that Jesus is a prophet. That would be Islam. And uh, and then Mormonism uh, claims that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer. Right? And so they're... And, and they and they get their decrees by angels. Both of them. And, uh, and so Paul sets it straight. If it is not this gospel, I don't care who gives it to you. It's a perversion. And, and of course, God knew what was coming down the line, so he prepared us for that. So the gospel that Paul preaches is clearly the gospel of grace, revealed by Jesus Christ and contested by false teachers. So it wasn't a gospel that's not been contested and still won't be contested to this day. Um, and uh, not only by... Uh, false teachers, but false preachers. So in Romans 2.16, the Bible says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So the simplest definition of Paul's gospel is found in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-6. And most of us know this. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve. And after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some men, or but some are fallen asleep. So Paul's gospel. So Paul's gospel is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He makes that clear. He says it in verse uh, chapter fifteen and verse one. I declare unto you the gospel. Well, that's Paul's gospel. It's the gospel that's been given to him. It's the gospel that's been given to us. And so. A few years ago, we uh, some folks were wrapped around the the axle about how people respond to the gospel. But really, you got to focus on the gospel. The gospel isn't is not is is very clear. It's it's the it's the power of God's ability to live a sinless life, come as a human, incarnate, die on the cross, rise again on the third day, according to the Scripture. And we know He also is ascended and sits at the right hand of the Father. And so we must call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. So Paul's gospel is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we should not miss the importance of what Paul emphasizes in relation to the husbandman. Jesus Christ is of the seed of David, right? So he was planted and he rose again, conquering sin and death and the grave. So it's no accident that he's following, talking about being a husbandman. He's talking about the vine, right? I'm the vine and you're the branches, Jesus said. And this is good information that we need to understand and teach. So going back to what we heard in the previous lesson, the teacher of God's word must sow the entire gospel if he wants to see people come to life from the dead. Because we don't want to just get the seed in the ground. We want to see that seed come up with eternal life. And so it is important to sow and it's important to water, but we ultimately know God gets the increase. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of Scripture. Uh, the Word made flesh, right? He dwelled among us. He did die on the cross for our sins, and He didn't just die for our, our sin. He rose again on the third day victorious over the grave. Hallelujah. He is alive. Amen? And so if Jesus is not resurrected, then we don't have a resurrection. Paul makes that clear in 1 Corinthians 15. If He isn't resurrected, we don't resurrect. Right? So you plant corn, you get corn. You plant Jesus, you get a resurrection. You plant us, we get a resurrection because we are born again. And the seed of David is Jesus, and that seed is in us through the Spirit of God when we get saved. So point two, 
the price of preaching the power of the resurrection. And he mentions that in verse 9. If you go back in the text there, he says, Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Now, Paul doesn't say, I am an evildoer. He just says, I'm suffering as an evildoer. Uh, but you know what? The good news is God's word is not bound. So Paul was bound, uh, but Jesus is not. Hallelujah. And, uh, and the forces of hell cannot stop the power of the gospel, so they attempt to stop the preacher. And so <clears throat> you will not find Paul preaching the gospel uh, of a dead Jesus. Jesus never is left in the tomb. He is alive. Uh, in Acts 17, when you see him preaching there on Mars Hill, Jesus Christ is coming back. Right? He's talking about him coming back in judgment. He's, he goes past the resurrection and goes all the way to the second coming and letting people know Jesus is alive and he's returning and uh, he's coming in wrath. So when Paul spoke to, to those pagans on Mars Hill, he drove his message to the resurrection because it is the evidence of God's power over sin and death. And so in Acts 17.32, he said, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and, some, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. Right? The, the understanding of the resurrection is critical. And I know in my life, this is personal to me, because I, I did believe Jesus lived. I believe he died on the cross. But I didn't really get that he was God until I considered and, and really thought about the resurrection. And that forces a decision. If he resurrected, then he is either God or he's not. But it's not just some guy who was a good guy, who was a moral guy, who's left a big impact. You know, he's not George Washington, right? He's not Buddha. He's not Confucius. He's either God or he's not. And you gotta you got to receive it or you, re- you reject it, right? And then if he's God, and then you read Revelation, you're like, oh, which side of the coin am I on here? I think I'm on the wrong team. I better get on the right team, right? So uh, I better get saved, which is what happened to me. So when Paul spoke uh, to the religious Jews, he summarized his entire activity down to one simple yet powerful truth concerning the gospel. In Acts 23, 6, he says, But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other, part, the other Pharisees, he cried out, um, in the council, men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope of the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. Right? So, Paul understood that the, uh, suffering was a privilege of his call. And so, but back before I get into that, he, it, was, it was a privilege of his call, but he was really suffering over the resurrection because he dared stand on the fact that Jesus Christ resurrected, then therefore making him God. And uh, that was where the, the rub was for many of the Pharisees even long after Jesus' resurrection. So Paul understood suffering was a privilege of his call in Acts chapter 9. And verse 16, I left that verse there in your notes. For I will show him uh, how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So that's what the Lord, that's on the road to Damascus. That's one of the things, is Anna, he's trying to get Ananias <laughs> to go talk to Paul. He's like, hey man, Paul's a bad dude. I do not want to mess with that guy. He kills people like me. And uh, Jesus, the Lord's like, don't worry about it, Ananias. Just go talk to him. Just do what I tell you. Because i gotta, I got to show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Right? And so... Uh, he's going to be a vessel for honor. So Paul started off this, this epistle by encouraging Timothy to enjoy the privilege of persecution. And so it's been a few days, uh, and I, this isn't in your notes. So go back to Second Timothy chapter 1, and uh, look at verse 8 there. It says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, Notice the word afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. 
And perhaps today is a great day to talk about that, right? Because uh, right now the world is shifting. If you haven't noticed it, there is a shift going on in relationship to the resurrection and the future events in the, in the Bible prophecy. And if you hold fast that there's a, there is a promised land and a promised Messiah, uh, you are not in good stead. You can be all millennial. I think that will be fine. But don't be dispensational and don't stand with a literal property, with literal Jews and a literal kingdom to come because that does put you in danger. And so it's always put the Christian in danger, right? To believe God's promises and His Word. 2 Timothy 1.8 Paul is encouraging Timothy to move from fearlessness to faithfulness, right? And, uh, and, and that's, that's been the thrust from the beginning. I built this whole series on that. And because that's what, that's what Paul's doing. Because Paul, he knows Timothy's going to be getting after it. He's eventually, uh, I don't know that Paul knew this at the time, but you know, history records, if, if it's an accurate rendition, is that Timothy died in the streets of Ephesus as a martyr. Right? He's going to give his life just like those before him. And what a privilege it is you know, to be called as one of the first fruits and be selected to be offered uh, as a sacrifice for the gospel's sake. And so he's like, hey, wrap your head around this, Timothy, because it could be coming to you. So point three, remember the power of God's word in verse 9. Right, So there's trouble that he suffers as an evildoer, but don't just stop there. In verse 9 he says, Wherein I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, semicolon, but uh, but conjunction, junction, right? What's your function? The word of God is not bound, right? So man, don't leave that part off the verse, right? The word of God is not bound. There is so much power in the word of God. That's why it's so good to publish the words of God. And we do that, obviously, in the armory, and that's what we're all about, is getting the word where it needs to go in every way. Preaching it, publishing it in writing, preaching it, publishing that way. It's important to get the word of God out, because the word of God is not bound. And so the preacher may be bound. Uh, right? Uh, I could get imprisoned, or you could get imprisoned, but the word of God is not bound, even when you go to prison. Uh, and so Philippians 1 and verse 12, you know about this jailbreak. Philippians 1, 12, and I put the verse in there, but I would that ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel, for, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. So Paul's now at this point, as he's writing Philippians, he's he's a uh, he is bound in Rome, and yet the word of God is not bound. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident in my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Interestingly enough, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and others of goodwill. He goes, not all their motives are right, but you know what? The word's being preached. Verse 16, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Some people preach it just because they think it'll make it worse on me. And he goes, but the others of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. But you know what? Paul's like, let the word go forth. God will, God will use his word. And uh, he'll, it doesn't matter what their motives are. God will use his word. And, and uh, they know that Paul is set for the defense of the gospel. He's not going anywhere on the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can't go anywhere either. Right, And so the Word of God is not bound by time. It's not bound by circumstance. It's not bound by leather alone, right? Even though we have it in leather. Uh, it's it's uh, not bound by government, by religious system, uh, uh, or by a person. It cannot be bound because it's God's Word and it will return to Him and achieve the purposes that He intends. It's His words. It's not mine. 
It's not yours. It's his words. But, of course, we take ownership of it because he's taken ownership of us. But at the end of the day, it's his words. Isaiah 55, you got the passage there in verse 10. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth bud, and so it may, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. So God's word, it has a purpose, and it goes forth. In the beginning, right, was the word. And we know that uh, after the fall of Satan, that you see the, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, and God went to work. The word of God has been moving and regenerating fallen man. Um, well, since there, before there was man, he's been working and regenerating. So, point four, remember the prize promised to those who are partakers of the resurrection of eternal life in 2 Timothy 2.10. So there's a prize. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So this is um, the third uh, I statement that we find in this section. Uh, The first one is in verse 7. He says, Consider what I say. Consider what I say. And then the second one is in verse 9. We just read it. Wherefore, I suffer trouble. And the third one is here. I endure all things for the elect's sakes. So who are the elect? Uh, well, we are talking about <laughs> saved people here. Uh, but what passage, the passage is not saying is that Paul, Paul is not enduring all things so saved people can be saved. Uh, that makes no sense. So what Paul is saying is that he endures all things for the elect's sake. Uh, so they can obtain eternal glory and uh, that accompanies salvation. Uh, Notice the phrase that they may also obtain. So Paul is desiring saints to receive the same eternal profit of salvation that he has obtained through suffering. And this is clear as we move forward in uh, verses 11 through 13. Though our salvation is secure, the reward at the judgment seat of Christ is not. And so we therefore labor to enter into the rest, uh, not to be saved, but because we are saved, right? That's why we labor, Ephesians 2.10 tells us that. So Paul said it is the, it is the way uh, to the church, of, uh, Paul said it this way, I'm sorry, to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5.7. He says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. That's actually where I left off this morning. We've got to walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Uh, wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in the body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and fire shall try every man's work or what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. So, do we have Jesus as our foundation? I imagine tonight all of us in this room do. But if you don't believe that he's alive, uh, you won't be either. That's the truth. If you don't believe Jesus is alive, you won't be either. right? Because eternal life doesn't come to those who don't believe in Jesus and don't receive him as Lord and Savior. He is the foundation 
of eternal life. You don't have it without him. You can't get around him. The old uh, spiritual, right? He's so wide. You can't. How's that? So high, you can't get over him. So low, you can't get under him. So wide, you can't get around him. You must go in at the door. And so for those of us who do have Jesus as our rock, as our foundation, uh, what are we building on the foundation? Right? Is it gold, silver, precious stones, or is it wood, hay, and stubble? So uh, I think that's where I'll pull up tonight so we have time for prayer. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I think I'm about halfway through, so that should get us done next time, hopefully. And so I'm going to just stop there for tonight. We can consider that. There's also Paul suffered, obviously, for the elect's sakes. Um, uh, the, the nation of Israel is God's elect, right? So he suffered so that they could see. Uh, he, he, he was wanting them to be jealous, right? He says in Romans, uh, over the grace that God has given the Gentiles, that they might get saved. And so he wanted them to be saved as well. But he, he definitely uh, was willing to suffer whatever it took. So a faithful teacher remembers biblical instruction. Next time we get together, we're going to talk about a faithful teacher repeats biblical instruction. And uh, we'll just, for now, we'll just pause it there. So tonight we're just focusing on remembers, which for me is a hard thing because I'm getting more forgetful every day. So, um, so man, I'm glad we have the Holy Ghost to teach us all things and bring all things to our remembrance whatsoever he has said to us because it's the Spirit of God that really we have to depend on to both learn the Word and also to uh, remember the Word and to teach the Word. Because like I said this morning, you can only go so far in the flesh and then it'll fail you. Uh, and you really need, and we got to get to where we trust the Lord to walk in the Spirit and, uh, and not uh, just depend upon the flesh. Any questions or comments or... Yes, sir. One of the things that I always find interesting in that passage is the other gospel and one of those major religious groups right on the front of their book. It says it, doesn't another it? Another gospel. Another gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, it sure does. Yes. And uh, I had a... I had a I have a dear cousin of mine that sent me a book of Mormon and asked me to pray and you know and all that and you know Galatians makes it clear that there's not another gospel. It says it like you say right on there. It's another gospel. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. 